And thanks for joining me here on High on Healthy on CannabisRadio.com and our coverage, beginning our coverage of the 2023 Psychedelics Business Forum, which is going to be going on in Las Vegas at the 29th and 30th of November at the Westgate Hotel. And right now we're going to go speak to one of the featured speakers that's going to be on several panels on the second day of the event, specifically speaking on psychedelic retreats and wellness centers inside strategies for success and expansion of access, how to make psychedelics treatments affordable for all. I'm here joined with fellow podcaster, co-founder and CEO of psychedelicstoday.com, the podcast, the articles, all of it. Joe Moore, thanks for being on with us. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. You know, love to have you on and, you know, someone of, of your caliber, obviously, you know, doing the good of podcasting in such a prominent space for Cannabis Radio. We are literally in our second year really delving ourselves into space, incorporating programming into the lineup, and to learn so much of what we have. It, in the two areas you're going to be discussing at Remind, specifically the areas of retreats and access to care, uh, when it comes to what you do with Psychedelics Today itself, <clears throat> and as the publication itself, talk to me real quickly about the fact that, okay, you offer psychedelic education, media, and advocacy. What are some of the areas that really these days, going into 2024, what are the subjects that really are an ongoing rotation of subjects that you really do cover? A good question. Um, so these days, we're talking a lot about when are things going to be federally legal? It's probably a familiar conversation to your cannabis audience. Um, so like really soon, I would expect then a year, year and a half, we'll have prescribable MDMA legal in America at the federal level, though not all states will have it necessarily flip right over to being a legal prescription drug. Some states will have to struggle with that for a little bit, I believe. Um, and then uh, shortly after that, psilocybin uh, should be prescribable in America if all things uh, stay on target. Um, and so those are big topics. And then another, another couple set of topics are Oregon, like what's going on in Oregon um, there is a prescribable legal framework for legal uh, psilocybin services there, particularly supported adult use. And that's actually a big conversation. Like, what is actually legal in Oregon? Like, can we do therapy? The answer is no. You can't do psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy legally in Oregon. But you could have psychedelic sessions and have those be legal at the state level. Um, and then next up is Colorado. Like, what's going on in Colorado? Uh, the decriminalization has been really robust around uh, four different substances, which is great. Um, but, you know, baby step, really, towards where we want to go. Well, um, really Colorado is only a year since it was passed. And the rollout so far, I mean, setting expectations. I don't know what kind of expectations there are that we'd make. But a lot of medicines being already allowed, psilocybin, DMT, mescaline, iboga. And, you know, is it a good role model a, a good setup the key that picks the lock i like to call it where what they're doing in colorado is that the model that should be rolled out state by state that's there's so much in what you just asked it's amazing so so <laughs> so just to set the table of what's happening in colorado so we did a full decrim on those four substances like you said um i think you just missed psilocybin because we always assume it's there but um yeah so those four will be 
decriminalized or have been decriminalized for about a year. And then step one is rolling out legal services for psilocybin, including psychedelic assisted psychotherapy. Um, and then some laws changed to include Iboga shortly after that, or Ibogaine shortly after that because of the opioid crisis. Um, so that's a big deal. Um, and so short, an accelerated timetable for Iboga and Ibogaine, which will be really, really helpful for, for, uh, people struggling with substance abuse or issues. And then, um, in terms of, is this the model? So this is hotly debated. Um, the cannabis scene is just so familiar with the state by state rollout, um, because that's what we've experienced. Right. But is that the right path? And I think, I think it's sort of a both and, um, I'm a board member at a federal lobby called the psychedelic medicine coalition founding board member there. And our job is to release science funding for psychedelics to the point that we can get federal legalization, medicalization, et cetera, um, easier. Because right now we're in a data vacuum, similar to how cannabis was when there was the monopoly on, on manufacture and in a sense, um, the research by the feds. So that's a big deal. So if is state by state rollout going to hold up federal inclusion of this stuff being in the medical establishment, there's a chance. Um, and we have to be really careful around that because we want to help the most people possible as soon as possible with, you know, safe, good frameworks. And I believe we have all the safety we need right now. Um, but as we get more science, we can improve safety. So it's a twofold approach. Um, so is the statewide thing, like, I think Colorado is the best model if we're comparing Colorado to Oregon, but I think we can continue to do better, um, because what we don't want is this medical medicalized thing to come into play and to reduce people's freedoms um in colorado and elsewhere you know i terence mckenna um kind of the psychedelic pioneer big in the 80s and 90s he had this thing that said if the um if the constitution doesn't provide you the right to consume and work with drugs or plants um, and experiment with your mind. It's not worth the piece of hemp it was written on. And I truly do believe that like, we do need to try to recapture a lot of our own rights and sovereignty and be able to help people, but with safety and education mixed in. So, so I don't have a clear answer for you. I think, yes, we're going to see state by state rollout for the next couple of years. Um, but there is going to be some, I think, uh, uh, healthy and much needed debate on what is the right way forward, both at Remind and out in the public. It's, it's a lot to unpack. <clears throat> so when you oh. talk about cannabis, the state-by-state state rollout. The other thing, too, is that when I was first producing a program for psychedelics, one of our programs, Psychedelics Radio, and one of the hosts there makes the point and says, well, you know that there's a difference on how the rollout is for cannabis and psychedelics, is that you know there are, con there are treatments that just require FDA approval. It goes right to the FDA, the agency level, not going through congressional level and trying to go through a legalization route. So the chance for psychedelics to have a quicker path to legalization state by state. It's actually a bit better. And it looks as if where cannabis always has the, the, the pushback of the lobbying efforts of tobacco or alcohol, but even though tobacco and alcohol might align with them in a $40 billion effort every year to get cannabis on as legal, to become legalized with federal oversight, whatever it might be, whatever reason it is psychedelics, does get more of a look and doesn't have to go through the lobbying ever it feels like because you were yourselves you know there have been bipartisan bills Cory Booker Rand Paul Nancy Mace all these major names you hear about on um, all the major cable mm -hmm. news channels 
that that are one that make easier DEA to reschedule classes of substances as a breakthrough therapy, which includes psychedelics. And, you know, the cannabis is getting that chance to go from schedule one to schedule three. Let's see what happens next. When you mentioned a psychedelic, psychedelic medicine coalition, and that's the one you said, correct? And I was just going to say- Yeah, PMC. Yep. So PMC, I would love to go talk, have them on High and Healthy, some of the other people that are in the meetings with congressional leaders, because it was also the fact you have, uh, there's a pact that's come in to back lawmakers supporting and investing on research and psychedelics. Like the fact- Yeah, they're, they're partnered. The PAC and PMC are actually kind of like sister organizations okay. um, with similar leadership. And I can certainly connect you with them. Yeah, I'd love that. Because I, I was looking for a political story that actually talked about how K-Stream, Washington, D.C., the lobbyists, they are vo- almost like voluntarily coming to get to the support of psychedelics for the research effort. And then if you get to the research, because you have the legitimacy as well as how many different- major institutions, Johns Hopkins, Stanford, you know, and London and King's College, all these areas that you're seeing legitimate scientists, legitimate, you know, medical clinicians. I mean, a lot of doctors. We've had, you know, various groups together of, you know, various medical professionals. Um, I'll just think right, right now, most recently, we just had a guest on that specific, oh, the Psychedelic Pharmacists Association, which includes other doctors and clinicians and other medical professionals to support in the effort that legitimacy right there plus the support of k streams the support of where you're getting some real influence without even the money it's amazing how much more i think psychedelics can move forward and which i also notice nobody we don't make a whole lot of making much of it but we looked at what maps was going on over there or other conferences even at remind we see some people that we know from the cannabis space that have embedded themselves and becoming a hybrid being a part of psychedelics mm-hmm. absolutely yeah we've actually seen a, a lot of pro bono work from lobby groups in dc um helping us at pmc in the pack and it's it's really incredible because people's lives have been turned around and they you know come quickly in cannabis i you know we have a couple of those amazing turnaround stories from like rso and things like that but you don't know, like I think the frequency at which we have miracle stories and psychedelics um, is is far higher. So we have like a lot more, lot more converted people um, who are just like ready to roll, ready to throw down everything to make sure other people have similar amounts of help. Like there's so many people who are suicidal, ready to just end it all. And then they come into a psychedelic session yeah. and really turns it around. Like there's this new study in um in the Netherlands at the Maastricht University that's doing a lot of good work. And they did escalating DMT dosing and uh, in a single day and um, had far better results from their small trial than uh, normal biotech solutions. And that was just DMT like three or four times in a day, a single day. And so probably way less risky and with way less side effects than things like uh, electroconvulsive therapy, which is often like a standard of care kind of uh treatment which is really ugly but you say oh okay i can go do psychedelics and all of a sudden i feel way better for at least you know six nine months like amazing um i want to ask you one thing joe when it comes to the session you're going to be featured on expansion of access making psychedelic treatments affordable for all one of the areas you bring up as this described is how employer benefit programs provider networks and indigenous religious organizations can increase access the indigenous part caught my attention because we off off record, there was a discussion about with all these treatments, 
and the retreats that are also being done as well that you're also going to be speaking about as well in terms of you know retreats and wellness centers for those that want to go look for ayahuasca or look for some other treatment that might have to go to Mexico or Costa Rica or Jamaica, some wonderful paradise retreat. But one of those things is uh, where are those that are from that, that have used this plant medicine for centuries, the indigenous that could be included into the mix. So I wonder though, has that been something that's even been discussed at all in terms of where those indigenous types that have all these years of medicine, if it's not, to embed them in and become, you know, here to offer the treatment, but to learn from them. It's, uh, yeah, absolutely. There's groups like Chakruna who really lean in on that topic. Uh, the founder of that group's written maybe 24 books on the anthropology of plant medicines like this. Uh, um, she's Brazilian and now is living in the Bay and has been running a lot of forums and books and articles to help include that. We in our programs have been hiring people with a lot of lineage in these traditions, uh, like our vital program, for instance, we have some Native American folks uh, that'll that'll help teach. Um, I think folks even with uh, lineages in South America as well will teach with us. So yeah, for sure. Um, it's a really difficult and tough conversation because we're still, you know, living uh, in America on, on their lands without, you know, compensation yet. Like Oklahoma's made the biggest steps forward and figuring that out as far as I can tell. But, uh, you know, yes, we need to rope them in that said, you know, my tradition is my tradition's kind of funny, um, in that it comes from Soviet occupied Prague and LSD from Switzerland. So like, you know, not the guy I studied was also, you know, occupied by the Nazis before the Soviets. So he's like twice occupied as he's doing all his LSD psychotherapy work. It's fascinating. So you know, I have that lineage. Other people have lineages that go back to Mexico, South America, African, African lineages. And, and then there's all sorts of interesting lineages, uh, coming out of the Buddhist traditions too. the uh, book secret drugs of Buddhism of note, but yeah, people are working really hard. Um, it's difficult because the way white folks are approaching this is di very different from how, um, the folks with long histories of use, like generations of use would treat it. So it's a, it's a dance. It's a real dance. For me, like I'm, I'm really wanting people to have ultimate freedom over bodily autonomy, psychic autonomy, and then, you know, yeah, respect these plants and the traditions, but do it your way. You don't need to copy their traditions, um, but you should give a nod. And if you're making a bunch of money, check out this thing called the uh, Nagoya Protocols, which is an international agreement that I believe only the United States hasn't signed about how to do. Um, appropriate reciprocity when we're taking stuff from cultures who have stewarded stuff for a while. Um, like this is a, a broad international agreement, um, that you can lean on to figure out how to do this right. Wow. That's yeah. And it would be nice to go know, you know, maybe we could put a little more agenda on, on where us might want to go and sign the Paris climate accord, but how about this, this, uh, organization as well, and be part of this, this charge, I would really think now, mm -hmm. In Psychedelics Today itself, the website itself, psychedelicstoday.com, at the S. And a lot of articles we put out, but also a podcast that, you know, from how easy it is for you to just make mention, we've talked to these people, these people, these people, 461 episodes to date. Since 2015, you've been one of the pioneers in podcasting and psychedelics, and there's so much that you've gotten out of this. What I want to ask you now is, 
you know, when you look at the gauge, like, you know, it's almost as if for me with Cannabis Radio, we've done our own conferences as well. And I've used the audience and the metrics and, and just really what we get as feedback from our listeners to be able to go ahead and curate what people are caring about, what they want to learn more about. In the psychedelics field, when you look at what the forum's going to have in terms of the business side, and just in general, you know, we talked earlier about the topics that Psychedelics Today is talking about the most. What about the listener base? Have you gotten a lot of feedback in terms of what they're trying to go ahead and learn and explore, be educated on, what answers the, uh, the questions they want to have answered? Yeah. Um, I think the biggest topics from the listener base, our listener base has become more inclusive for sure. It was definitely an enthusiast at first and then, you know, medical professionals, philosophers, things like that. Uh, but now we have people who just found about it, found out about this topic and are digging in hard. So the things people want to know are how to do this safely, including legal consequences, because you could still go to prison for doing a lot of this stuff in most states in the country um, and internationally plenty. <laughs> you can definitely have some penalties. How to do it safely, how to do it ethically, like what are the ethics around this stuff? How do we understand what's right and wrong? It's uh, it's not an easy discussion. Um, I hear people come in and say, oh, I, I know, have it all figured out. And I ask a couple questions. I have a philosophy background, so it's easy for me to ask questions. Um, and, uh, you know, there's always holes in the stories, right? So we need to come together and really evolve the ethics. People want to understand, like, what's next? What are the job opportunities? How can I get more involved professionally? And that's what we do. We, we educate people, our vital program and other programs to get them ready for a psychedelic job whatever that is like not everybody needs to be a psychotherapist in the space or a doctor or um what, I, what i'm excited for is the nurses kind of leaving nursing and coming to psychedelia more generally i think they make really good candidates um what else is happening here you know they want to understand updates on colorado and oregon too but go ahead oh no the user business you have do you also notice that the kind of content you go ahead and curate you know it can it does it need to be very fundamental a bit basic a little bit you know entry level or do you feel like there are enough listeners out there that you're able to get put something out that's much more tangible more detailed more informative and probably more advanced do you feel like the audience is able to go ahead and they have a good grasp and understanding of what's going on so you could really go and expand on what you want to go and talk about that's a great question because we actually lean towards non-beginner content primarily we want to you know um and that's probably handicapped us a little bit but also, you know, we've, as a result of not doing the beginner content, we've been able to get featured at all, all sorts of interesting universities and, you know, including some IVs, uh, um, <clears throat> medical schools, all sorts of really fascinating places that we wouldn't have expected to end up. Um, and it's because we want to do more advanced content. Like I'm bored by the beginner stuff because I've been around for 20 years, mm -hmm. but there's plenty of people that want to teach that still. Um, but you know our programs, like our ed programs, we'll we'll start you from from a, a really early stage. Like even like how do we define psychedelic? You know stuff like that. Now the other thing I would imagine in the last seven years doing the podcast and having the website that you've probably seen that where cannabis always has the stigma, the reefer madness, all those and the people that came before and the kind of you know, either kind of backlash or any kind of criticism that might have been put by a mainstream. America, mainstream people in general, they're looking out on the outside, looking in. But there's a lot of professionalism now, the way that the industries come together and how much support has got in from people that we didn't expect would be, you know, from the medical side, so supportive. 
a different way than cannabis. Would you say that what the the image of psychedelics now, especially when I saw all the stories that came out of maps, 12,000 people showing up, all these different celebrities, all these different people are coming across. I mean, do you feel like there's not so much of a stigma that people that are associated with psychedelics get from other fields that there's a real legitimacy, a real medical sense that, you know, medical professionals, people are realizing these are valid treatments and that it's just a matter of time, not if, but when these treatments are going to be made available and that people should not have any kind of a stigma or any kind of onus against it. Mm. Right. It's, um, huh, it's interesting to watch. Um, I remember, uh, you know, when we started, the stigma was still really robust and, uh, right around the time Michael Pollan's book came out, that's when it started to erode. Right. Um, and you know, love it or hate it. It was a watershed moment for the history of the movement and, um, really important nonetheless. So, um, I think things are just going to keep accelerating. You know, we saw the thing with Aaron Rodgers somewhat recently being influenced heavily by ayahuasca. There's all sorts of celebrities coming out about their use. Um, even the, you know, super famous DJ Diplo ran a marathon on LSD somewhat recently, famously. Yeah. Not my idea of a good time, but you know, (laughs) to each their own. And, uh, yeah, it's super interesting to see like how we'll, how we'll develop here. Like I love the mothers that are are coming forward and helping accelerate the movement. I think that's amazing. I think also, um, the veteran topic is really robust. Like what, what I've noticed, and this is, um, uh, I'll just say it straight up. Like a lot of people are being diagnosed with PTSD and really what's going on is a lot of traumatic brain injury and people are getting drugs for straight up PTSD and not getting treatment for traumatic brain injury. And, um, as a result, people are just, you know, having very poor performance in their healthcare. And, you know, it's, um, it's dangerous for the VA to say, oh, if you shoot a gun X number of times, you shoot this many mortars, you're going to have brain damage, you know, even in the fighter pilot world, like, you know, that centrifuge you see in like, uh, kind of like air force training or NASA training videos that like spinning super fast, like, yeah, your face is doing this and getting pushed back, but your brain is also just getting squished and you're getting like tearing all over your brain. So, um, that is nerve damage and that is brain damage. And as a result, like we have to treat those people more appropriately. And a lot of those pilots and, and students in training aren't getting uh, really good informed consent because, you know, we, we for, for a lot of reasons, for a lot of reasons, it's tough, but there's good treatments for that now in the psychedelic space. Well, you can see the pendulum has been swinging pretty good, especially this year when SSRIs were getting really downplayed and not being looked upon highly, but then you have study after study coming out, either NYU Langone or, you know, North Carolina uh, University or John Hopkins or Stanford. There were so many years back to back for depression, for PTSD, for, you know, various trauma related events, issues, psychological, emotional, physical. There's just so much there that, you, you know, you just, the swell of positive and legitimate, you know, information that's coming out people are just going to have to just realize it's just a matter of time that it's inevitable that psychedelics is going to be part of the lexicon the language of you know for medicine as a treatment and we need to just realize that 
So we're on the upswing right now. And I think that's something where you've had all this time in psychedelics today, you and Kyle Bowler, to go ahead and really just pave the path and document the progress that's been made in the industry. And with an event like the second annual Remind Psychedelics Business Forum, we're seeing what the business is, people that are coming in to invest and be a part, regardless of how things might look in terms of inflation or in terms of the business environment right now, the stock market, as you will. But people are in behind it. There's a lot of motive, a lot of momentum, a lot of upswing. Mm, yeah, it's really exciting to see where we're going. Um, I think a conference like this at Remind is important because we need a lot more small and medium-sized business players to come forward to help us continue to gain ground here and provide access and and much more, fight for our rights, all that. Um, I think some of the biggest business moves that will really move the needle will be when insurance is really available for all of these providers. And as a result, capital can feel safer coming in. Um, and I would just urge people to, you know, try to do this right. Don't treat it like, uh, let's maximize, maximize, maximize. Let's make reasonable profits and not just try to like, you know, eviscerate the competition, be too territorial, you know, let's be team players, you know, join industry associations, join psychedelic medicine coalition, because once we unlock hundreds of millions of dollars in science funding, everybody in this space benefits and the whole world benefits once we know more here in the science space and it's uh, it's a big deal absolutely and like you said i would love to get get together with the folks there with the psychedelic medicine coalition and i know you'll be able to get help us out with that plus i also see a lot of people you've had on psychedelics today that I'm, i'll admit i need to get some of them on cannabis radio some of those things we picked off but there's quite a few there that you brought on and even just with the forum right now the people that are coming together we talked to the organizers two weeks ago here on High and Healthy, and I'll tell you, the plan that they've done where they've kind of just taken how that first year was done, where they might not have such a large concentration of speakers, more on quality over quantity. I love that move, and I love that the discussion is going to have more time. That You're going to really have real good, full-throated instruction, or information, education, advocacy, all that across. So I would really want to go and keep people to go ahead and once again, look for 2023 Business Forum coming up, remindmedia.com for all that information. And let's go ahead and wrap things up real quick about Psychedelics Today, the podcast we talked about. 461 episodes right now to date. You know, seven years or eight years now of, of content. That's amazing. That's great. Also to be it's so far ahead. And, you know, because when you were doing it in 2015, people might start, start talking about podcasting and just starting to get the real kind of mainstream swelling that we get right now. I mean, for me, I've been doing this since 2005, and it wasn't even called podcasting back then. But to know that somebody like Psychedelics could now be in the forefront and that what you're able to do, blogging, podcasting, getting out there at events, that you see how much is getting done and you can see how much of a presence you can put out there that people see Psychedelics today as a real source, a real resource. So tell people what they should do when they go to the website, psychedelicstoday.com. How should they get involved with what you're doing, what they should be subscribing to? Go ahead and fill us in. Yeah, we do a uh, every other week newsletter if people want to you know, stay in tune with the news out there that way. We do twice weekly podcasts. You can subscribe on just about any platform and check out what we're up to. We've got um, somewhat regular uh, written content in our blog. We've got a couple books, a trip journal and integration workbook. So if you or a loved one is about to go in a session, you could buy a digital or hard copy of that from our site. Um, and if you're interested in becoming a professional in the space, check out our 
vital psychedelic therapy training. It's a program designed to get you ready to work in the space. You're not necessarily going to be an A-plus facilitator, and this isn't really a facilitator training, but you're going to get a lot of those skills. But it's like a liberal arts degree in the space, and you can really up-level your understanding and your engagement, and very likely, you know, get a job in the space. People have gone into grad school, people have gotten jobs at retreat centers, ketamine clinics, and uh, even biotechs as a result of taking our training. So definitely worth checking out this vital uh, psychedelic training.com. Yeah, you're not going to become a shaman right away, but or you might not be the person bringing on somebody on their next psychedelic journey, but you're going to get yourself in the right direction with that. So uh, psychedelicsidea.com. And again, I've been joined with Joe Moore. Uh, Joe's the CEO and co-founder of Psychedelics Today. Joe, I uh, hope a great time for you and the folks there. Remind coming up. And for those that have not made the chance to get good to it, make sure to go ahead and sign up. Like, as we, November 28th and 29th, I said 29th and 30th, let me correct. 28th and 29th, Westgate Las Vegas Resort and Casino in partnership with MJBizCon, remindmedia.com to register now, get a part, learn about what's going on, and be in Vegas coming up. Thank you, Joe. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me.